Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'm thankful for God and I'm thankful that we have the privilege to know him and the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the freedom and the liberty to worship him. I want to take just a few moments and I want to just address our fathers. It is a tremendous day and I appreciate the privilege to be a father. And as uh, Bobby mentioned just a moment ago, it's not always an easy task. It's, it doesn't happen easy. And while it's biologically easy to become a father, it's biblically challenging to actually father children, to lead them, to leave footprints in the sand deep enough that become indelible prints for them to follow. I think the Bible ch- clearly challenges every father to be a spiritual leader in the home. And I know that we use terms like spiritual leader and the priest of our home and things of that nature almost so loosely until it becomes too general and too vague. But I believe that we, we must be, we must be the spiritual leader of our home. I believe that God is looking to us to do that and not just to our wives they and, and the mothers. They fulfill certainly a, an important role, and we could not do it without them. But I believe that ultimately what a family becomes belongs to a dad. We have to allow the Spirit of God to touch our hearts, help us to be moldable and pliable and tender in the hand of God that we can know the way of God, his word, and let that word impact us, and then let that same word that touches our heart impact our families and touch those around us in our realm of influence. It's already been mentioned, but I would like to reiterate again that I think that that fathering goes beyond biological um, fathers. I believe that there are influencers. Certainly, I know there are influencers in this house today that you may not have biological children, but you influence many around you. And so it is imperative that, that, you, uh, that you wear what I'm talking about today. The, the, the ultimate responsibility is laid upon our shoulders, and we can't escape that. The primary part of that responsibility is, is somewhere striking that balance between love and discipline. And uh, that's a difficult thing, and I think every father here would agree with that. Before you have children... Before you have children, it's always easy, very, very easy to know what you should do. I've watched in over 27 years of pastoring, I've watched families that didn't have children. I've watched them roll their eyes at screaming children in the house and think, you know what? They need to take them to the foyer and not just go out there and hold them. They need to know that's not playtime. But I've lived long enough to watch some of those critics have their own children, and I've watched them walk in and out. When they brought their children back in, I didn't see blood or bruises. It's different when it's yours. I've watched people do the same thing when they, before they had grandchildren. 
and then all of a sudden you have grandchildren and everything goes and all the rules are out the window. And so it's a difficult challenge. I'm not being critical. I'm just being honest. And so it's a difficult challenge to know that balance between love and discipline. And we, we struggle trying to figure out where our role comes in. And so that's how and why we need the hand of God to touch us and strengthen us every day. Because it is not as easy as it looks. You can watch someone doing something they know how to do. And if they are very skilled in whatever area that is or whatever capacity that is, it's very easy to sit back from a distance and think, I could do that. But you never know how difficult it is to nail a board straight until you pick up your own hammer. You never, you never how understand how, uh, how meaningful something is until the tool is in your hand. The responsibility is yours to be able to do something. And so I pray God help us as fathers to understand that balance between love and discipline. I mean, it takes a very unique thing to be a dad, to be a true father. Amen. It takes a very unique calling and, and, and something that is placed upon our lives. I believe that one of the greatest threats that the generation we are now raising, I believe one of the greatest threats is the breakdown of the, of the family. That is the greatest threat. Because in the family, in the home, there is so much that is given to us. There is so much structure, so much foundation. Strong families provide a foundation for so many things, not the least of which is social order. Everything of value rests upon the bedrock of who we are as a family. And so I want to challenge our fathers today to, to realize your role and responsibility. It would be the enemy's pleasure to, to distract you, to distract me. It would be the enemy's pleasure to get us busy doing something else and not tend to the weightier matters that really are ours. Everything of value rests upon this foundation. Historically, when families begin to unravel in any culture, everything else is adversely affected. So you can't just, you can move some things and it's of no consequence. But when you move something as foundational and fundamental as the family, it affects everything. Alarming numbers of babies in North America are born out of wedlock. And most of them, sadly, will never know their fathers. Consequently, because they never know their fathers, they will never know their father's love. And when they never know their father's love, there is a forever void, a forever absence in their heart. Only one-third of children born in North America will live with both their biological parents through the age of 18. Think about that. To be sure, this has serious ramifications. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. We can't ignore these statistics and say that we have no responsibility. That the responsibility that we have is just minuscule. It's, 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 it's of no consequence. Through the years, everything from poverty to racial discrimination has been, uh, has been blamed for juvenile crime and behavior problems. But nearly all the evidence points to family breakup as the real culprit. We can try to find other nails to hang all of this stuff on. But, but fathers, we have a job. Our families are the most valuable thing that we will ever have. 
It won't be what we drive, what we wear, where we live. It won't be whatever our status in life is. The most valuable thing that we have is our family. If that family is in, a, in a, is in a mansion, fine. If that family is in a tent, amen, fine. They, that is the most valuable thing that we have is our families. I think that we can begin by totally committing ourselves to the Lord and then raise our families to do the same. I want to talk about real fathers, what real fathers do. You know, we, th- we have an idea of what some the role of fathers really may be, but real fathers don't lie. Real fathers don't steal or lust or covet. Real fathers do not serve the God of, my, of, of money and things and stuff that will all just deteriorate and fade. Real fathers do not sire and then abandon children. Real fathers do not cheat on their wives. Real fathers do not send their kids to church. They take them to church. Real fathers have a real relationship with their heavenly father. We have a big job on our hands. This is not just about Father's Day, a day to get a new grill or accessories for the grill or a new tie or whatever may come along. That's not what it's all about. Father's Day is to recognize and give honor to those who keep order in our lives, those mainstays. And Brother Donnie Osborne mentioned that a moment ago, I can echo his words as can many other men that are in this house. But if you have access to your father today, You need to call him, hug him, touch him, speak with him and say I love you in some fashion if it is appropriate because I'm telling you I would give anything today to be able to say one more thing to my father. It's it's an impossible thing. The book of Luke tells the story in in Luke 15 about the prodigal son and much could be and has been said about the prodigal son. But I want to brush back all of the stories that we've heard and perhaps all of the things that are the freshest in our mind. And I want to just think about the father for just a moment. I think the man in the middle of this story is a very unique person. Some people could be surprised by the actions of the father in this story. We're certainly taken by the actions of the prodigal son. We're later taken by the actions of the boy that stayed home. But what about the actions of the father? He did nothing at all to stop his son from taking advantage of him. He doesn't try to keep him from leaving home when he knew it was not in his best interest to do so. He never tried to keep him from engaging in behaviors that he knew were going to be destructive to his life. When he asked for his inheritance, he just gave it to him. And in this story, in this story, the parallel is between the father and the Lord. And isn't it sometimes disturbing that the Lord just kind of sits back when we want to do our own thing and he just says, go ahead. We want it our way and he never opens his mouth. Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God intervene? Why didn't God step in between us and that tragedy? Because to do so would interrupt the greatest gift that God gave any of us and that's free will. We're here today by choice. And if God stepped in and stopped and circumvented every decision and everything in life, then it would no longer be our free will, but it would be his will. And so he knows at that moment, if he forces his will, then it's no longer obedience. We have just acquiesced to his will. In the culture of Jesus' day, children really never left home when they became adults and got married. 
As a matter of fact, in most cases, and certainly if the father was wealthy enough, they just added on to their house. And so to leave home was to leave everything, to walk away from it all. Leaving family, leaving relationships, leaving their work, leaving even their future. But you see, this father was a father enough to say, if this is not what you want to do, then he stepped back out of the way. But then we also find him later in the story just doing what fathers do, and that was the right thing. And when this young man decided to turn and come back home, even though his other brother didn't agree with it, the father continued to do what was right and brought rest and restoration and fulfillment back to a a son who had strayed. I'm thankful to be serving a God like that. Amen. I haven't always made the right decisions, nor have you. I've turned left when I should have turned right. I've moved forward when I should have stayed still. And and I'm not suggesting that there is not a harvest to reap in those seasons, but I am telling you that I've always found, I've always found a hand that would reach out and touch me and bring me back in and restore me, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the power and the influence of a father. I've really struggled with an illustration here. I've struggled with this for several, several weeks now, but I think some, maybe Brother Rayleigh got up and talked about David and the Giants, and and uh, Bobby got up and talked about uh, the Gaithers and things of that nature, so maybe it'll give me a little leeway this morning to mention Merle Haggard. <laughs> I feel the ice breaking under my feet. I feel the ice breaking under my feet right now. I will just run this disclaimer. I was, was and am not a Merle Haggard fan. fan. I'm not um, suggesting that anybody listens to any music that would suggest sinful lifestyles or behavior. I hope that would go without saying But a few months ago, Merle Haggard passed away, and in his passing, there were several documentaries that were online about his life. And um, to be honest, and this is going to sound extremely sanctimonious, and I don't mean it to sound that way at all, but I really knew nothing about the music and the life of Merle Haggard, very, very little, I should say one or two of his songs, and, and it was not until he passed that I even realized that he wrote and even sang some songs. But I began to look at his life, and as his life story began to be told after his passing, there's something that is an inescapable truth, and so I'm just going to beg you to get the message today in the spirit of the message. I'm not here praising someone that sang songs like, I think I'll just stay here and drink. I'm not going to praise people that are talking about the the bottle let me down and things of that nature. These are all songs I learned since he died. (laughs) Song titles I've learned since he died. But when you look at the life of a young man whose life had run so far aground, by the age of 17, he had been put in multiple foster care, maybe what we may call foster care today, and escaped from 17 different facilities. Finally, they arrested him again for car theft, I believe it was. 
And this time they put him because he couldn't, they could not keep him in any facility. They put him in San Quentin. And they put him in solitary confinement. And he was just a kid. They put him in with rapists and murderers. And he was horribly abused not only by inmates but staff. And because of all of that, he lived with a life of shame and regret. He's a man that holds many, many records. And for the most part, there are a lot of people from the outside looking in that who wouldn't want to be him? But when we want to go back and find out where did all of this run off line? Where did all this run aground? And we realize that the most life-changing experience in his own words that ever happened to him was when his father passed at nine and in the absence of a father and in the bitterness of a young man's heart that his dad was gone so prematurely, he couldn't find himself. And then he began to get in trouble and trouble and trouble and trouble and that trouble brought shame because it brought so much hurt and heartache to his mother. And so, so many of the songs that he had written in those songs were a lot of truth because of the life that he had lived. And so where did it all go wrong? And, and uh, one of the last interviews that he, was, that he had given before he passed, his wife looked at him, his own confession, his wife looked at him and said, why won't you forgive yourself? You have lived your entire life not forgiving yourself. Because something went wrong in his life, and it was not something of small consequence. It was the absence of a father the absence of a father that misguided the trajectory of his life that led him to a lot of different things that scarred him as a young man deeply enough that he would never over it. And this, in this one of his final interviews, the, the interviewer said this. He said, why in the world do you keep singing? You don't need the money. You don't need the notoriety. You don't need the fame. Why do you keep Why do you keep pressing on? And after a long pause, he said, I am afraid of being alone. Fathers, we have a big job. You can be an absentee father and come home every night. You can be an absentee father and have the same address. And so I say, Lord, help us today to realize that our lives matter we're touching lives of people that will touch lives and so i pray that you'll help us to have the strength to do what god has called us to do and that is to be of the pillar not just pillars of communities but pillars of our own home that is the most important thing we could ever do i'm thankful that we have fathers among us today that lead the way they lead it with clarity amen let's all stand I'm sure with all the musical references, you can take your own opinion home today. And I'm glad I don't have to go home and eat dinner with everybody because there's no telling what the talk will be around these tables. But I'll tell you this afternoon, I'm thankful that God has purchased our life. I'm thankful for a spiritual father. I realize that when we use the term father for everybody, that doesn't conjure up warm and fuzzy feelings. For some, it's the opposite of that. But today I'm thankful for a heavenly father that has never stepped out of line. A heavenly father that's always been there and never been absent. He's always been what he should be. I want to emulate my life after that father. 
and do the right thing. Can we pray and ask God to touch us today? Lord, I love you. I thank you for the strength and the power of the Holy Ghost. And I ask you today to help us to do what you have called us to do. I pray for every father in this house that we will have not only the wisdom and the intuition spiritually to know what is the right thing to do, but I pray also, God, for courage and boldness that we would not be absentee dads, that we would not be absent, Lord, in the role that you have called us to do. I realize that our absence doesn't have to come by way of death. It doesn't have to come by way of a lot of things. We could be absent in our own homes, but I pray, God, that you'll help us to be the fathers that you've called us to be and help us to be what we ought to be. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and happy Father's Day. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.